All right, so we're still in Bellingham, Washington. I'm with Brian Kirk Fliet. And uh, uh, we've, we had one last item on the list to talk about, and that is biodynamic. Now, uh, my understanding of biodynamic is pretty limited. Um, there's a fair amount of ritual, and there's a fair amount of paying attention to the phases of the moon. And, um, uh, and then there's the, the spray mixtures, which in the, in the video that I put up about equisetum, then uh, those very perfect squash leaves, and this is after I, I traveled around Bellingham and I saw very sad squash leaves everywhere I went. I came here, and the squash leaves were perfect, and that was due to a biodynamic recipe that um, featured equisetum in it. Yep. So, um, also known as horsetail. Right, right. Um, and uh, so, so I'm... I'm probably butchering what biodynamic means, but perhaps well, you, can, well, you can correct me. Let me let me uh, try and put this in a nutshell as as consent, concise as a, you can. Um, the, just the overview picture of biodynamics is in many lines analogous with permaculture, but it goes into a little bit more depth in that it it tries to look at the whole farm or area that you're working with as one organism. So there, it's, it's really a holistic approach, um, not necessarily even technique, but, but just a mindset in a way of looking and observing. It's, it puts on different glasses, if you will, a lens that you see things through, um, and probably takes it a little bit deeper depth. I know in permaculture, you know, there's no such thing as waste. It's waste equals food. It all revolves around the cycling of energy in, in that sense. So biodynamic uh, takes that approach um, almost a step further in that the, the energy is not limited to physical energy. It's not limited to biomass or nitrogen or phosphorus. You know, it's uh, etheric energy, um, so life force energy. Um, and so, you know, animals have souls and life force. Plants have souls and life force. Rocks, minerals, they all have their their place in a symbiotic balance of nature. And so um, there, the, the techniques that really differentiate biodynamics from, say, organic gardening um, are, um, as you mentioned, working with the celestial influences, so phases of the moon, but also uh, near and far planets and and their influences on the Earth. Um, and, and I kind of uh, bring that into focus with people that are going, wait a minute, he's getting a little woo-woo on me. Um, and look at how the moon influences the tides or menstruation cycles and influences uh, bodies of water. And plants are made up of water. Animals are ma we're made up of water. Um, and so it obviously has an effect on that. Um, so uh, working with a planting, planting and sowing calendar, which there's a number of um, uh, published versions of that. There's the North American planting and sowing calendar, and then there's um, uh, one out of Europe, the Maria Thunes planting calendar. Um, then there's the uh, biodynamic preparations that are used in the compost, and these are six specific um, herb, herbal preparations that I won't get into too in depth, but essentially they're prepared in different ways so that they 
um, metabolize and hold different elements within the compost pile. So in biodynamics, you make an intentional compost pile from the ground up in an hour or two, layering lasagna style um, with your greens and your browns, and you put inoculants in it. And then when that's finished, then you put the biodynamic preps in there. And those are um, chamomile, yarrow, um, nettle, oak bark, valerian, and dandelion. But it's not just pieces of those plants. No. There are specific preps. They're, they're called preps because they're prepared in different ways. For instance, the oak bark is taken off in the fall and it's buried in a skull in flowing water over the winter. And that, um, you know, each of these preparations metabolize different things, sulfur, nitrogen, um, silica, manganese, uh, phosphorus. So they all have very specific relations to both the um, the element and to uh, celestial influences and to um, actually within the uh, organs of uh, mammals in particular. So they, they have a relationship to, um, you know, the lung, the liver, the heart, the, the brain, and that makes the, the compost pile one whole entity when you put these preps in there. And there's been scientific proof on the composts that are made in the biodynamic method hold more of these minerals in the humic acids that are formed during the um, process of that decomposition than compost piles that have not used these preps. Um, just to back up a little bit and talk about how the biodynamic system has kind of came to be, um, it was uh, after the First World War, um, farmers came to um, the place of, they started using uh, chemicals on the landscape, whether it's fertilizer, pesticides, herbicides, and farmers started seeing a degradation of the vitality of their land. And um, during that time, there, um, this man, Rudolf Steiner, who also founded the Waldorf Schools, he was a scientist, a philosopher, an intuit, um, uh, kind of a um, visionary, I guess you would say, is way ahead of his time. Um, and he was recognized as such by a number of farmers, and they came to him and said, what should we do to help bring vitality back to our land? And he thought about it for a while, and he came out with, what has become the birthplace of biodynamic agriculture. And he wrote a, um, he actually gave eight uh, lectures, and that became the course in agri um, agriculture by Rudolf Steiner. And you can look that up online and, and get the book and read it from him. But since, since that time, a lot of people have taken different aspects of this and kind of modified it and and changed it to suit the time and their location and so forth. And so he came up with these compost preps. He also came up with uh, what are called field sprays, and that is horn manure and horn silica. And these are essentially manure that's buried in a horn for six months from the winter to the spring and dug up. And then the horn silica is buried in the, the height of the summer and dug up in the fall. And both of these um, field sprays act in kind of various polarities. So the, the horn manure 
uh, activates the soil life force, so the cool, dark, moist soil energy. And the, the horn silica is, activates the light, air, warmth energies. So they have, they have different um, relationships. And those are stirred in very particular ways and put out on the land, um, uh, the horn manure in the evening at dusk and the horn silica early in the morning. And there's, I mean, you can, I could go on and on. There's so many different things. But what really differentiates biodynamics from organic farming are the compost preps, the field sprays, planting by calendar, and then um, very specific uses of compost teas. So there's specific compost teas that are brewed up, uh, whether it's nettle tea, uh, the horsetail tea, which we talked about uh, as far as um, using it to stave off powdery mildew or um, other molds. Um, the horsetail has high in silica content, and so it gives um, a boost of silica to the plants that can pull it in through its cell structure and strengthen the plants against aphid attacks, mildews, molds, um, other pests like that. And then companion planting is really used widely also in um, biodynamics. And then animal integration is key in biodynamics. Um, the cow is the queen of the farm. <laughs> yeah. The dairy cow. Yep, and uh, we've we've had a cow here on our farm for four years, four years going four on five half, years, yeah. um, and we've noticed an amazing shift in just our overall soil health, the plant health, um, through making our compost with cow manure and using the preps in that. Um, it just really, really changes the the overall tilt of the soil um, and of course not killing um, killing is killing <laughs> and so oh, I like we, that. We, killing is killing yeah. <laughs> we mulch and we do cover crops but we don't till we also like cream in our coffee <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you can see what the the cow is known as the holy cow and holy shit <laughs> and it, you know it's not derogatory it's like for real. Okay. <laughs> so now I think if you know if nothing else, if 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 people are listening to this and they're thinking you know it's woo woo, then you know look at that video of of those squash leaves. I mean that I I think if nothing else that's evidence. Now of course well, a person part of, could, part of it is woo woo though. I mean that that's the part that we like. It's you know it it's the spiritual aspect of farming that we're still learning about and experiencing. But you know we're well, a lot of people think we're spiritual beings, and it's a part of the missing piece of how we create a whole dynamic farm organism for us. Yeah. It's working yeah. for us. Yeah, and you you look at, you know, everybody can see the nuts and bolts of things, the physical aspects and attributes, and they are trying to pick apart into bits and pieces and understand how it's done. Well, it's it's much like the natural farming systems of Masanova Fukuoka. It's like... Nature is so complex, you can't figure it all out. Right. And you don't need to. You know, there is a certain yeah, amount that's job. just fine to left, leave it unknown. You know, it's observe and appreciate. You know, you don't have to observe and change. You know, you can go, oh, that did really great. Why did it do it great? I don't know. Let's try it again. Let's see what else does great. 
but also in, in biodynamics, there is a lot about putting human intention. So intention is in many forms. It can be physical intention. It can be just mental intention, like, oh, I just love living here. I just love seeing the flowers. I just love seeing the bees. I just love how things are becoming more and more in balance. And like many, many things, you give things enough intention and focus, of course it can't help but unfold in, in a glorious way as, it, as it's meant to. So I, I want to rewind a little bit and finish the thing I was going for. Uh, and that was that um, I think some people could listen to it and they could say, oh, this is, this is nutsy, this is woo-woo, this is, yeah. you know. And, and then uh, I think that the thing is as well, there is proof that this was done. I mean, you can look at it, and then, you know, you've, I guess you've got my word that, that on that same day and the day before, I wandered around and I saw a lot of different farms and a lot of different gardens, and they all had very sad um, uh, uh, squash plants. The leaves were just covered in mildews, and bugs had been on them, and all kinds of problems. And then I came here, and you look at that video, and, and it shows you that those leaves were flawless. They were perfect. So now a person could argue that, um, oh, well, all you got to do is take equisetum and smash it up and stir it around the bucket a little bit and then spray that, and it'll be exactly the same. And it's like, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> and so there might be a yeah. lot more to this. Yeah. So it's like when you plant and do things by the cycles of the moon, then maybe it makes a difference. If nothing else, we have a lot of the biodynamic folks proving that their space does work. Now, when you talk about what's the difference between biodynamic and permaculture, I think that once you, you have people who, who really wanted to go past organic, and, of course, we could say biodynamic precedes organic, but um, if we were to take people of today and say they want to go beyond organic, then I think that there's basically two different paths available there's probably an infinite number of paths, but there's two that have re readily presented themselves and people have kind of glommed onto. And that would be biodynamic is one and permaculture is another. Now, um, and then a lot of people do both. Um, and, and my impression is, and I'd like you to tell me how I may be wrong about this. My impression is, is that uh, biodynamic is going to be, you know, yeah, compost and things are going to spray and stuff like that. Because organic has spray and compost and stuff. I kind of think that when you start traveling down permaculture road, it's more about how can I be so ridiculously lazy? And and it's like I want to plant things in such a way. And in fact, I look at my my under permaculture there's many there's many schools of thought. My school of thought is is that I want to create a system that's such that I don't do anything else in the future but harvest. All and if if I go in there and I monkey with it, I might be able to get a bigger harvest out of that same system. But if I do nothing at all, it will uh, it won't require any irrigation, it won't require any fertilization, it won't require any kind of sprays, whether organic or inorganic, you know, uh, chemical. It won't require any kind of sprays whatsoever, and all I have to do is harvest. Whereas um, the the other path, biodynamic, is is that I wish to be in a deep, romantic, loving relationship with the earth and the soil, and I want to play. On a regular basis, I want to do things. I want to have an. There, there are things that you do to maintain an intimate relationship, and and so part of these things is going to be these are these are a collection of recipes. In fact, if, if Steiner had lived to today, 
and was still a young man and at the age of what 200 and some <laughs> then um uh he may have changed the recipes oh, he, he may have come up with more recipes he may have said those recipes you don't need so much well, there's yeah somebody who i think she just passed away maria soon uh she's done experimenting with you know taking his ideas further and doing some of those things that probably he would have done so i mean it's being done yeah, and that's one of the things that he said in his agriculture course is that this is not the end-all, be-all. It's going to modify on seasons and location and your availability and your own intuition on what needs to happen. But I think that, you know, what you're saying is, is has truth to it, and there's, there's the different aspects. Um, one of the things that really brought us to start doing the biodynamic approach was visiting other farms that were doing biodynamic farming and just seeing the health and vitality of things. So I'm I'm not including a particular the farmers, including the health and vitality of yeah. the actual farmers. I'm not particularly a woo-woo type person myself. I like to see you know proofs in the pudding type of thing. And you visit a farm, you can just feel it the instant you walk on. It's like oh my god, there's I didn't see a single aphid. I, like you said, the squash leaves are perfect. Whatever, you know and you can just feel that synergy that, that happens that happens in nature. So the other thing I wanted to talk about, in permaculture, you're trying to deal with more perennial systems and no less and less inputs. But that being said, we are a part of nature. And that's one thing that Steiner was saying, too, in biodynamics, is that we are an integral part of nature, and we need to recognize that we're not apart from nature we are a part of nature and so a total hands-off approach might might not be the best approach you know is that going to feed your soul to just lay in the hammock all day long and just you know <laughs> you don't have to find out won't we i, I like the endorphin kick when i get my fingernails in the soil you know and there, there's a part of this co-creation uh, involved. But if you build a permaculture system, I mean, and and then you're, I mean, are you ever, I mean, first of all, you can be done. It is an option. Mm -hmm. And then it's like if you've created a permaculture system, I mean, are you going to stop? Can you really stop? Can a permaculture person who's created a successful system stop creating successful systems? So anyway, that's so now, now yeah. go on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, just back to your your uh, comment about not really wanting to do anything but harvest. You, you could live that way and be really happy. But personally, my whole the reason I started farming and and doing growing food for my family was to try and the first year we grew all the stuff that nobody ate. It was like, oh well, we're not going to do that again. So now I start to choose things that we like to eat. So in a perennial food system. You'd have enough to eat, but you might not have, say, broccoli, because broccoli wouldn't grow in a polyculture as well as some other, like raspberries. Raspberries would be great in a polyculture, but there are some things, you know, strawberries. We have a lot of buttercup around here. It's, you know, it would just take over the strawberries. So if I really want strawberries, then I'm going to have my own strawberry bed. So it depends on what your goals are and what you want to eat and that sort of thing, yeah. too. So it's all it's a personal decision, and that's why... The relationships always on the land change with who's here, and you know it's just always evolving. And so, being a farmer sometimes is just paying attention to what, where it needs to go, and fostering it. I think another big aspect is is that you're talking about when you go onto the farm and you just, and your feeling is, is like, wow, whatever this place is doing, this place is doing it right. 
And and I think another, uh, you know, for example, the the perfect squash leaves. Like after seeing so many sad and pathetic squash leaves, uh, it's like wow, look at how flawless those are. And it's during a time of year when they're all getting covered in in mildew. Um, but on top of that, the flavor. So like, you know, and I go to so many different farms and like, oh, my raspberries are so good. You got to try these raspberries. And then I put the raspberry in my mouth and it's like, that has no flavor. Why are you Why are you so excited about this? It tastes like anything and nothing at the same time. And yet you're like so excited about it. It tastes like water that had a raspberry smashed up in it. So um, that's what it. And it's like, but here today, here today, I mean, like, what is that tree that I was eating from? Is that a plum? It's a plum. It's a plum. Yeah. Some sort of golden plum or something. Yeah. Yeah, Shiro plums. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, those are good. Yeah. We noticed the the flavor of all of our fruit and veggies once we switched to a no-till system and backed off to basically no irrigation and growing things in in polycultural systems, the the flavor just leaps out at you. you yeah. There's no comparison. We go off the farm and you get organic produce from the the farmers market somewhere else, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. right, you know? yeah, farmers market food, bland, uh, anything <laughs> at the grocery <laughs> store, blander than they're trying. No, no, farmers market food. There, it's, it's like you would. There could be, and you'd have to, you'd have to like try a little bit from every single booth at the farmers market. I also like the Bullock Farm. I think they're awesome. By the way, <laughs> yes, yes, the Bullock Brothers. They are awesome. There, but they've, they've. I think that they're at where they want to be. I mean, they're, they're there. They've arrived. They're like they've 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 reached their 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 peak. They're 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 living the life that they sought out to live. They are you know they're in the hammock. Yeah, they're in the hammock. <laughs> they're in the hammock. <laughs> they've <been> hammock achieved. <laughs> Congratulations, well, Bullock Brothers. I've got my hammock, but I have little hammock time these days. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm waiting. That's more of a destination. <laughs> there it is. There's, There's the goal. I'm yeah, looking at it. it. Look at it. So, no, I, and, and the thing is, is that um, I think flavor is critically important. Yeah. And, and I think within good flavor is good food. The good nutrition. And, and so much. Yeah. And it's like there's a lot of booths at the farmer's market where they are, it's like the variety of broccoli that they're growing is the exact same variety of broccoli that's grown for uh, the grocery store. And the reason why that's exactly. grown is because it has a good shelf life. The reason it's a good shelf life is because it's not really food. Because it looks good. It's like you can grow time. cardboard and it lasts forever because the, the funguses and the bacteria look at that and they say, I'm not going to make that rot, which is how they eat it, uh, because it's not food. And and so it's like, whereas this, I imagine like those, those plums that I was eating, I imagine when you take a plum off of that tree, it'll decompose in 10 minutes. Yeah. I because re- it's so delicious, the bacteria want to eat it too. I realize why they call it a store. Because that's where you store food, where you keep it. Right. Or you right. eat it. Right. It's where it's stored. So, I, so our, our food is ripe for like one second. <laughs> Before that, it's underripe. After that, it's overripe. Yeah, we, store our we, we try and preserve it. We try and preserve it, yeah. But, but now you're also preserving good food. But if you tried like to optimal. if you tried to can the stuff at a grocery store, even if a, even an organic grocery yeah. store, so, it's like it would be horrible compared to compared to like canning yeah. the stuff that grows here. But I would like to just back up and talk about the the harvest or working with the planting calendar 
because there's okay. several things that I've really noticed where it makes a difference. All right. And that is – Now, before you do that, I want to just – I kind of want to interject one quick thing. Yeah. And I think when you started with going down the road uh, of biodynamic, you were skeptical. Yeah. Okay, because I think people listening to this, yeah. that this is their first exposure to biodynamic, yeah. I, I expect them to be skeptical, and I want them yeah. to embrace their skepticism and, and, and take a very skeptical eye to this. But I think I think a lot of people are going to find that this is the thing for them. Yeah. So anyway, okay, now go ahead. Yeah, so uh, like you say, yeah, skeptical, and let's try this, let's try that, let's try planting on on the optimal day for this particular crop and then plant not on the optimal. You know, do side-by-side -side trials and just see what works for you. Right. So in biodynamics, things are broken down into four categories. It's uh, root, leaf, flower, and fruit. So um, on a particular day, it might be a fruit day or a, or a leaf day. And on those days or portion of a day, you work with that particular portion of the plant. So if it's a root day, which it's a root day today, so we might go harvest potatoes. But what I've really noticed that where it's had the most impact is on seed germination. So if you sow on uh, a root day carrots, they'll germinate in half the time they normally take to germinate. Um, and on the other area where it's really proven itself out is on harvesting and storage quality. So if you harvest your roots on a root day and store them, they will store and keep and hold so much better than if you harvest them on a fruit day or, or a leaf day. Um, and so when we are harvesting for storage or preservation, if we're making kimchi or whatever, we will harvest the cabbage on a leaf day so that it has the best overall vitality in that plant and store for the, the most nutrients for the longest period of time. Um, and other than that, you know, you're picking a salad, you pick it whatever day when you need it, when you're eating it, right? Or something but, like green beans, you know, like green bean season is a few weeks long, and so you can't wait around for every fruit day. It's like you got to pick them every couple of days, and so we do. But if we're going to put some up, we try and pick those on a fruit day if possible. And those two characteristics in particular, um, I've noticed the most significant um, advantage so sowing seeds and transplanting, major transplant sessions like tomatoes or, or you know, squash or whatever you, you end up transplanting, if you pick those days to do that, there's like minimal uh, transplant shock and, and leaf dieback and all that. They just hit the ground running and they just take off. So now I understand that there is like a, a biodynamic certification so that you know you can go to the grocery store and buy food that is biodynamic food. And Demeter, it's called Demeter, Demeter certified. certified. Yeah. I've so now, never seen it at our co-op though. So I don't know. I've how seen easy it. Is it's, to oh, okay. It's been more more um, well known in Europe. Okay. So you, you, I also wanted to say for people who are just beginning and want to try this out, you can buy preps. You don't have to, like, go find a cow horn and bury your cow manure for six months. You can, like, buy already made preps just to mess around with. Yeah. Yeah, and a good place to get information uh, more on biodynamics, there's the Oregon um, Biodynamic Group. I think it's OregonBD.org. And then there's also um, back east there's JPI, so it's the Josephine Potter Institute. And um, both of those groups um, have a lot of information on their website, and they sell preps and um, the planting calendars and so on. 
So I just, I'm just kind of thinking that if I go to the grocery store and if I see biodynamic uh, certified, then, then it seems to me like that food is going to be of greater value to me than nutrient dense, most likely, yeah. Yeah, than than something that's organic. Although at the same time, I imagine that there's probably very little biodynamic food that could make it to a grocery store. Like it would probably rot long before it got there. And because the shelf life is probably is, yeah. You know, yeah, a fresh tomato versus like keeper garlic, it's a whole different animal. True, know? true. Keeper yeah. garlic should be fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, I. I like the idea of a lot of a lot of this, um, um, and and it's. I am I am skeptical. I am. It's 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 true. At the at the same time, it's like I saw those leaves, and and um, and at the same time, I've tasted the food here, um, but at the same time, I've tasted other uh, permaculture food as well, and so yes, I'm going. But at the same time, I am curious enough that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be trying a lot of different biodynamic things, but I also think though that I don't like the spray things. I, I well, my, my philosophy is a little bit different. Let me just talk a little bit about the sprays because they're not sprays in the way that you think yeah, of sprays. These sprays are look. I, I like to talk about them like they're homeopathic doses of things. They're like a yogurt starter, and just a small amount, and it spreads the influence. So it's not like you have to go around and hose down every single thing. No, no, no. You just get a little bit of it out there into the environment, and it, it takes off. It's a homeopathic dose. So a little bit so is stronger than a lot. Like you walk around with a bucket and what kind of adult cedar Well, the, those are that's, that's the horn manure. Well, each spray has a little bit different technique, but... Essentially, the the horn manure and the barrel compost are the ones that I use the most frequently, and those activate the soil life, and so health of the soil. So you feed the soil. Right. This is all what we do. So we right. activate that soil life through mulching and through the, the horn manure and the barrel compost. And so it's the the horn manure is stirred in water, and I use flow forms, so it dynamicizes the water and stirs in completely and mixes in oxygen and what's called dynamicizes the water, so it makes it more fluid and and more enlivens the water. So people are familiar with the work of Dr. Emoto and the life of water and talking about water and its energy force and which SEP does, SEP Holster yeah. does, a lot of stuff with live water versus yeah. dead water. Exactly. So it's it's bringing that water back into its optimal life force. And then essentially it's in the evening I go around with a bucket and, and a tree branch and I just kind of flick it out on the land. So especially if there's any areas where there's bare soil, which usually there's not too much, but on um, – recently harvested beds or or um, areas where I'm, I'm getting ready to do something in, I will activate that soil. Um, and then usually several times a year we will walk as much of the entire property as possible, uh, including the pastures and the orchard and stuff, and put out the, the barrel compost and horn manure out on that. Um, the horn silica is put out early in the morning in a very, very fine mist. So the horn silica is actually clear quartz crystals ground up into a super, super fine flour um, consistency. And then that's mixed in water for an hour and 
manufactured in a biodynamic fashion, and then it's um, sprayed in a very, very fine mist on the leaves of plants. And that very fine mist carries the quartz crystals in with the water, and it lands on the leaves, and it essentially its, its physical form acts like a prism and magnifies the light and the heat energies that the plants can absorb into their their uh, leaf structure. So it actually magnifies the, the intensity of the light and the spectral um, rays that the plants can have access to. And then also because it's so finely ground, the plants can absorb that in and it strengthens their silica content in their, their cell structure, much like equisetum. So it, it helps strengthen the plants against winds, against aphids, against powdery mildews, all of those things, and it helps, um, you know, just overall health and vitality of the, the upwardly growing. So the silica is the air, light, warmth, the stuff above ground. The horn manure is the stuff below ground, the roots, the cool, the moist. So now my objection to sprays is that it you sounds like it's got to do them. It, it, it works. That's you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's like, uh, so I know that when you're saying yeah. sprays, you're not saying like, oh, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to spray toxic gick out there that came right from some chemical company. No, I, I know that that's not what you're saying, and I, and I know that it's a very small, tiny amount. At the same time, it's just the work. Yeah. It's just like, so, so sure. when I start thinking about permaculture systems, a lot of my dominant thinking is like, well, once it's set up, well, I'm done. I've given my future right, self a gift. And if you want and, strawberries, in this in this environment here, they would get choked out. Right. Well, and, and yeah, that's why I live in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> this is also what, you know, this is a process. So in the first few years, we built more compost piles. We put out more sprays. This year, I've built three compost piles. I've put out less sprays. You know, each year, I'm able to taper back from my active involvement and input into the land because I look at a bed and I go, my God, this is like going on already. The earthworms are there. The, the humic acids are all formed. There's, it's alive, you know, just through the mulching and through. So it, it's not having to be brought back from the dead to be enlivened. It's already going. And so if I'm building new areas or doing some expansion, then I'll give it more attention. But otherwise, it's like a baseline maintenance amount of stuff that I have to do. And and eventually, it it will get to that place of old growth forests, and it doesn't need composts or watering or anything, right? But, um, you know, we all we have to start from where we are, and we're looking at, um, not sustainable agriculture, but regenerative agriculture, where it goes beyond sustainable. Sustainable means you're barely dog paddling <laughs> with your nose above the water, you know. Right. Barely not dead. Barely not dead. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So regenerative is stuff that like, goes beyond that, where it's producing better soil than when you started. It's producing more food than when you started. It's producing more of a interrelated um environment and ecosystem, more diverse insects, more diverse birds, more diverse plants, you know, more diverse humans in the system um, that's that's strong enough where it can continue the regeneration, whether you're in the hammock or out there spraying preps. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right, and I and I think that when you have a, a you know when you set up a symbiotic relationship with nature, then then it does become. I mean, I, I like I like I mean Fukuoka. We were just talking about Fukuoka earlier, yeah. and and of course his his philosophy was Mu, do yeah. nothing, which of course he always did something. Yeah. But his philosophy was good, do yeah. nothing. Yeah. And yeah. and not to. And he did, and and he ended up with some pretty amazingly awesome systems. Yeah. Where he did. Nothing, and and it produced a lot of excellent, high quality food. Almost so, nothing. He had these so, aikido points, but every once in a while he got. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and so, so um. But I do think though that that for a lot of people, um, a lot of people listening to this podcast right now, I would I would imagine that for like uh, probably a third of the people listening to this podcast right now. They are now dropping permaculture in favor of biodynamics, <laughs> and and it's because it is it's a fit for them. It's a, yeah. it's like they you know because like a lot of the stuff that I talk about is how to have a more symbiotic relationship with nature, which this is a type of that, yeah. and and it is a, a far deeper relationship. Well, the, the thing is, is they're not mutually exclusive. You True. know, they're totally symbiotic in so many ways, and and. To be honest, I don't know a whole lot of people that do both. I, I know a lot of people that maybe have some aspects of biodynamics, like they might do planting by a calendar, but everything else is more permaculture-based and perennial systems or, and others. Yeah, I, I, kind of, I mean, biodynamics does usually, the more successful biodynamic farms involves livestock, large animals. Yeah cows in particular, and there's not a lot of permaculture farms that I know that have a, a lot of animal integration, aside from poultry. Poultry, but not large animals. Sepp Holzer, I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I very much lean on Sepp Holzer to answer to, like, all these kinds of things, because I, I think that his system is the ultimate permaculture system, mm-hmm. but um, uh, I, I think that, um, I think, oh, Damn it! I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> so animal integration. I was going back to biodynamic. They're not mutually exclusive one another. I mean, yeah. a, a lot of the biodynamic practitioners don't necessarily do a lot of perennial systems. They're they're more in the annual systems frame of mind. Um, I, I with the exception of vineyards, there's a lot of wine growers. That are doing growers that are into the biodynamics. Yeah, I don't think a vineyard is a proper. I, yeah. I do not like the idea of a vineyard. Yeah. That to me, that says monocrop. It's monocrop, oh. and well, that bothers me. I like wine, and my mom's a, a vintner, so uh, we're all happy. I think you can have wine, and you can have grapes, but a vineyard says monocrop. So rows and yeah. tractors. And so before I forget, <laughs> before I forget, my thinking is right when I think of biodynamic. I think that Rudolf Steiner came up with a cookbook for biodynamic. And I and, and whenever I think of it, whenever I think of the recipes and things that are in it, I, I think that, that that was cookbook version 1.0. Yeah. And I just kind of think that, you know, I, I – so, so somehow when I think of it, when I hear about it, when I hear about the details, I think that, yes, yes, there's a lot of very good things in there, and a lot of people are having such amazing success with it, such great success. And it is very aligned with permaculture. I mean, both camps embrace polyculture. Both camps uh, do not pull their dandelions. Yeah. They're like, the dandelion is a great thing to have growing right there next to your plant. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I kind of think to myself, like, if Rudolf Steiner had lived longer, he would have had 
version 2, version 3, version 7, version 9. Well, and that's what he said is everybody keep adding to this. This is not a stagnant system, and don't take my my lecture as gospel and stop there. You know, it's, right. It don't just, you know, swallow the, the gospel of a plan and sinker and think that's it. So, so I kind of wonder how much of it, when he came out with version 10, how much of version 1 would have made it into version 10? Mm-hmm. And and then how different would it be? And this I is where my I, mind kind of I goes. I think there's probably a lot because a lot of his stuff is based on, you know, bringing cosmic energies in. And so there might be different ways to do that, but it seems to me that that's like just the basics. You know, like you learn the alphabet first and then you go on and you spell words and you right. know, it's like that. And then there's also parts of permaculture that are very different than biodynamics that I really like a lot, like your zones, you know. That's really helped me immensely. Like, okay, I go to the barn all the time because I'm the cow milker, so, you know, my zone one path is over here. So I'm going to put things I have to care for over here. And to me, I'm a logical thinker, and that just makes a lot of sense. And also, like, foolproof methods, especially when you have a lot of interns or children or whatever helping you well let's have a foolproof method to me that's permaculture and so I like that and it's very different from biodynamics alright anything else that we need to add here I think that was a really good intro for permaculture people to biodynamic really yeah, we covered a lot yeah alright if you like this sort of thing come on out to the forums at permies.com where we do talk about biodynamic homesteading and permaculture all the time.